0: Daily inspiration podcast on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I am your host, Jen Amos, and today I have with me Dr. Todd Snyder, who is a psychologist and productivity coach who helps business owners discover the motivation, systems, and strategies to get more done in less time. He has worked as a self-discipline coach, stress management consultant, and productivity consultant for people all over the globe. Todd believes in being a student of what he coins the active ingredients of success. These are the few variables that make the biggest difference when trying to accomplish a specific goal or outcome. You can learn more about Dr. Todd Snyder on his website, toddsnydercoaching.com. And Todd is spelled with two Ds. Todd, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on, Jen.
1: Yeah, we're very happy to have you here today. I find it very fascinating that you have a background in in clinical psychology. You um, studied for, uh, you had it for 10 years, you studied at Baylor University. Um, Tell me a little bit about your background as a psychologist and what led you to become a productivity coach?
2: Great question, yeah. So, um, you know, there are a lot of interesting things that happen in the world of clinical psychology. And of course, one of the the reasons why the field of clinical psychology really became be- became a field in itself in earnest around the time of the World Wars is because there w- there was this recognition that oh, mental health really does affect us. Like it's it's a real thing that we need to take seriously if we want our soldiers to be doing well both on the field when they come home. Um, and it wasn't until several decades later, though, before positive psychology became recognized as a formal field of study where it made sense to study not just what's broken with us when we're not functioning at our, at our best, you know, me- mental health-wise, but to study, well, what, what about the people who seem to be uh, exceeding expectations, people who are happier than normal, more motivated than normal, more productive than normal? What can we learn from them? Mm-hmm. And um, for myself personally, you know, after I had worked for some time in the field of clinical psychology, which I love, I love helping people with depression and anxiety and relationship issues and all of those things. But I got sucked into the world of uh, consulting with business owners pretty early in my career. Mm-hmm. And it became something that was just fascinating to me. I, I instantly realized like, oh, wow, like, these are my people because they sprint, they move at such a fast speed. And I've that's one thing that I've always struggled with just a little bit as a counselor is, you just love people, you want them to get better, faster. But of course, you have to walk at the slow pace that they're moving. Mm -hmm. And you can't rush that process. What I found with uh, the those who started hiring me for the work on the business side, is they were working faster than I was used to. And I got pulled into that world. And after some time working with some very talented, gifted entrepreneurs, I began to recognize some of those active ingredients you mentioned in the intro. And I started sharing those with uh, some of my less successful entrepreneurs, uh, clients, and I started seeing the dramatic difference it can make if you, mm-hmm. if you model success and you transfer and you cross-pollinate those ideas. And so I got pulled more and more into that world and decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to do full-time is work with entrepreneurs on becoming more productive
1: hmm. I think that is uh, I, I, pr- I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your background. I think that uh, there are plenty of there are many productivity coaches out there or coaches out there for that matter. But I love that you have this scientific <laughs> background, like you can actually tell people you can, pr- you know, you can prove through maybe evidence and science that what you're doing is actually can actually help them meet, be more productive.
2: You know, my friend near a recently called me out on using that word prove he said science doesn't prove things, you know, we <laughs> study and we, we develop evidence that seems to point towards things but I mm-hmm. get your point, which is, you know, that definitely, there is, um, there's a certain level of scientific rigor that you can bring to this field and doing so only improves the results that you can get. Um, there's a lot of successful productivity coaches who just ask the right questions, you know, and sometimes that's really helpful for an entrepreneur. That's all they need is someone to just ask them the right questions. Um, some of the clients that I work with, we go a little bit deeper on the personal side, but surprisingly, most of the work that I do is more at the high level of um, sort of business strategy. Um, and that's partly because of the way the human mind gets stuck in traps and mm-hmm. we start getting into ruts of how we think about our goals and our business. and and if you can just have somebody to help you to just to provide the scaffolding to just think a little bit at a higher level than you normally would when you're thinking on your own, mm-hmm. you often have breakthroughs and insights that allow you to reach your goals much faster than you otherwise would.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What is What have you found has been, let's say, the most common mental block that uh, your clientele goes through and, and that you help them break through?
2: The, probably the most common... Mental block is this perception that. So we talk about mind share a lot, you know, Mm in in the world of entrepreneurship, as you know, um, and and we're always thinking about how much can I afford to divide up my mind share, and the the thing that that's a really helpful thought process. But sometimes it gets us as a business owner, it gets us stuck in this thought process that I can I can't do something unless I can figure out where it goes on my schedule, Mm -hmm. and so one of the things I try to encourage entrepreneurs to do. Is to adopt this phrase: "Think results, not time." And what that means is, stop thinking about your own time as being a factor that is necessary in order to accomplish something. If we just wiped out your time and we said you cannot, like we're we're just going to make this blanket rule, you cannot have anything to do with achieving the res- the result. How would you do it? And mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs, especially those that you know, most of the entrepreneurs I work with have achieved a certain level of financial success. And so they have some income available that some some business revenue that can be transferred and focused in on solving problems. And it doesn't have to be their own time. Mm. And so that's one of the most common blocks is I have to do it. I have to be the manager. If I hire somebody to do this, I have to manage them. Mm-hmm. Or um, if I have a team of people working on these things, they're always gonna need to report to me personally. So the idea of think results, not time, Helps you to start thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. And how can we leverage excess capacity? Is there another business that does this already? And all we have to do is send them a small fraction of the revenue it would cost to create our own team to do what they're already doing and then have that done for us? Or is there a template or something that we could borrow? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of not reinventing the wheel. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if there's a way to accomplish something that's already been proven, why not see if you can use that template and just? Bring it into your own business.
1: Yeah, I wonder if it's, and and maybe you can tell me this, I'm wondering if it's maybe an ego thing where entrepreneurs feel like they they are the ones that figured it out or that they can do it all. Um, Do you tend to run across that with a lot of entrepreneurs who maybe um, hold back from delegating or outsourcing certain services?
2: I do see a lot of entrepreneurs holding back, though it's typically not because of an ego trip. It, mm-hmm. I find that as soon as an entrepreneur recognizes an alternate avenue, there's this sense of relief. There's this mm-hmm. automatic sort of, "Oh, wow, that's so much better." And so I, I don't get the sense that that most entrepreneurs are feeling like they have to prove that they can do it themselves. Now I do see that a little bit on the idea side, you know, including myself. You know, anytime I have some great idea, I'm like thinking about how. I should do that because it somehow makes me more valuable as a member of society. And and I forget that most valuable businesses are providing a service that someone's already figured out is Mm -hmm. a need and someone's already been working on it. Um, Long ago, I read uh, an article, I think it was an entrepreneur magazine that just looked at the statistics, the statistical odds of success of going and creating a business from scratch, but modeling something that you already know people want. There's already, for example, franchises serving out there that do that. And how the the success rate is so much higher than if you try to bring some new idea to market Mm -hmm. so i i think that's where maybe we sometimes do see ourselves as humans getting sucked into this this desire to do it some new way Mm -hmm. um with this bias that somehow that makes us more important when in reality our our goal really is to serve each other in ways that are, are useful it creates more value than when we started
1: yeah absolutely. I like how you say that when people realize or when our entrepreneurs realize that they could outsource or they, they had someone else already created that wheel you know it's like this sense of relief It makes me think mm-hmm. about like literally before I jumped on this call with you, I was talking to my husband and we found out one of our colleagues we, we we've been we've been complaining about um, admin work for a long time because we're we're not like the best at it um, I mean we could do it but you know we prefer not to do it and we just found out one of our colleagues we've been working with with for a number of years now just told us, Hey, I can do that if you need me to. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, Why did you tell us that from the very beginning? But it's just that sense of relief knowing that, you know, we can, yeah. we can outsource that we can depend on someone. So I really, mm-hmm. I really do appreciate you adding that perspective. Like, yeah, it could be relieving to know that you don't have to do this alone. And collectively we're all providing value to one another and to the economy. Right. Mm-hmm. So. So, uh, Todd, I am curious to learn a little bit more about these active ingredients that we mentioned in your bio and you kind of hinted at. So what are these active ingredients?
2: Well, it would be difficult for me to summarize them because it's really a reservoir of ideas Mm -hmm. rather than like a list of three or something like that. Um, But, you know, among those is the concept that less is more, for example, Mm. um, there's this tendency that we all have to keep adding clutter into our business processes. And the more of that we have, then the more we find ourselves in the position where well, probably um, anybody would experience this. Not, uh, not just you, but I'm not trying to pick on you, but because you just mentioned <laughs> the admin thing, that's one of the most common places where we struggle with it, right? right we right. add on bells and whistles to our business and we think, Oh, our, some of our clients would appreciate this new feature. And so mm-hmm. we add that, but then it comes with this administrative burden in order to maintain it. So Part of what i how the thinking process I try to take entrepreneurs through is what are the maintenance tasks that are necessary to keep what you 've already built functioning. Those are those admin tasks, and sometimes it 's the entrepreneur themselves you know that mm-hmm. has to do those tasks um, but the 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 real key here is that you get crystal clear about what 's a progress task meaning the the exciting growing edge working on the business thing I want to do mm-hmm. versus what 's just a maintenance task that 's necessary to keep the cash flow coming in and sometimes entrepreneurs are left feeling guilty because they hear this message so much that you're supposed to be working on your business and not in your business. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But if you don't work in your business a little bit enough to get those systems and processes documented and working like clockwork, whether or not it includes the the business owner, the entrepreneur themselves, you've got to have that stable or else what you're doing is you're saying, I'm betting everything on this one next step that I'm taking at working on the business. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to dry up the cash flow that lets you experiment and so it i think of it as live to fight another day Mm -hmm. by making sure you keep your cash flow strong why did you do all that work to build up your business to this point where it's providing cash just to let it all fall to pieces and slip through the cracks Mm -hmm. so that's the first step really is figure out well what is the list and who does that what are the Mm -hmm. weekly uh recurring tasks that have to be done And some of those are small, like support tickets, you know, and managing support tickets from your customers. Others are bigger kind of annual tasks like um, submitting paperwork for state or federal tax related things. And and if you don't follow through on those things, then you can lose everything you've worked so hard to build. So step one, figure out what those are. Make sure you have systems in, in, in place. And if you are not good at that, if you know that's not your natural talent, then find somebody who loves doing that and who's a person who just really enjoys checking off the boxes that each thing was done and it's all neat and orderly. And then, then of course, that leaves how much time do you have to work on your business? And, and mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, I say, well, your goal is to, sh- to expand that over time, right? So you want to shrink the maintenance tasks that take up the, the, the thought process of the person who's steering the ship mm-hmm. and you want to increase the time that's spent on planning. So that's another active ingredient is that we say, um, I I really want you to prioritize stepping back and doing the higher level planning Mm -hmm. because this is one of those active ingredients that I've seen with the most successful entrepreneurs that I've ever had the privilege of working with is that one thing they do that's different is they project their minds further into the future. They Mm -hmm. spend more time building a rich mental map of what's coming next, Mm -hmm. less time just working in the weeds I'm trying to put out fires of whatever's going wrong today.
1: Yeah, that uh, that reminds me a lot of my husband again, not to throw him under the bus, but he's always thinking about the next best thing or the way to move forward. And I'm kind of like, well, let's work on the weeds. Let's work on the little things that we, we currently have at the moment. Um, so I appreciate you elaborating a little bit, uh, elaborating on that, Todd. So I know that you work exclusively with entrepreneurs. Uh, Can you give us maybe one or two uh, success stories, Um, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, clients that you feel very proud to have worked with you and you consider, like, this is the epitome of the type of clientele, type of entrepreneur I like to work with?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I carefully guard the privacy of my client's identities. Some of them just spontaneously choose to do a testimonial or something, but I'll tell you just in in the story sense of of the the scenarios that I feel happiest about. And again, you know, this isn't to toot my own horn because I didn't create these, these results, the entrepreneur did, Mm. but there are certain catalysts sort of opportunities that I had that led to some of these breakthroughs. Um, One of my clients was Uh, working on building uh, well actually they were somebody running affiliate advertising as essentially an affiliate but also a marketing agency and they just recognized how they got tired of dealing with the the continuous problems that come with being the affiliate who doesn't have control over the product itself you advertise Mm -hmm. the product but you don't control it and we went Together, We walked that path from being the affiliate to being a product owner Mm -hmm. um, and moving from the $10,000 per month range to the $100,000 per month range very quickly.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I have another client who, when we started working together, this person is a CPA um, up in Canada. And this was one of those entrepreneurs who was very good at what he did but he was working way too many hours at the Mm -hmm. expense of his health. And so we did that process I was telling you about before. Well, what really does have to happen to keep the doors open? And then how can we start bringing in help? And I was so proud of him the way he did that because the initial efforts actually failed. He brought Mm -hmm. in some help. That person just was a terrible flop. Brought in a second person, that person flopped. And you can imagine after several attempts like that, you just want to give up. But that third person not only brought in a a list of new clients with them from her own contacts, but was able to do something that is one of my favorite moves for entrepreneurs, which is a modular offload, which means instead of the entrepreneur uh, being a hub who delegates things and then that person reports back and and it's kind of like you you become, you keep expanding your role as a manager. Mm -hmm. Instead, he said, this entire uh, section of our business, you're in charge of that. You own it make it happen. And nice. so that is great for a couple of reasons. One, people love autonomy, right? And so mm-hmm. that helps that that team member to take control and have a, a rich sense of meaning in her job and knowing how she's going to figure out how to get to the end result. But two, it saves the entrepreneur all kinds of time from micromanaging and feeling like, oh, I, all I've done now is just added a person who takes some of my time. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was another success story that led to um, rapid growth where that team c- continued to expand. Awesome. Uh, so those are two different one financial and one time sort of story that I think represent some of the the kinds of results that I'm most proud to help entrepreneurs to achieve.
1: Yeah, I, I love hearing that, Todd. And I ex- uh, appreciate you, one, protecting their identity, because that is important, but also really just sharing the stories and, this, and their success. Because um, I think it's a great way for our listeners to uh, visualize, you know, the, what, what it would be like if they potentially worked with you. Um, so the, the second to last question I wanted to ask you, Todd, is it sounds to me that you've really grown yourself a very successful coaching business. And so for any entrepreneur who is growing a coaching business or wants to grow a coaching business, what do you want to share with them, um, to, to reach a certain level of success? Maybe your level of success right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It is nice to, to be on this side of it because I remember being on the other side. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at this point, I have a waiting list of people who would love to work with me. Wow! Um, and and I, at one point, I was thinking, how do I even tell people what I do? And so mm-hmm. I've been on both sides of that, and I, I definitely understand the struggle. And the one thing that helped me the most to make that transition was the willingness to release control over the process. So mm. I, for years, uh, I was doing coaching part time because I just didn't want, I never thought of it as like, I just don't see how that would be a sustainable business. Or if if it was, it feels like it would be luck. Um, Mm -hmm. Until one day I decided, you know, there's this concept that I had, I have learned called um, the effortless progress method. And that's where you release control over the exact method by which you achieve a result. But you just start walking in the direction of that goal. And so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit, some people, when they first hear it, they're almost like, wait, are you talking about law of attraction? And I say, no, 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 I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about imagining that the universe is going to come to your aid. I'm saying acting as if it will, because Mm -hmm. the very act of walking in the direction of your goals and your dreams tends to cause you to discover paths that you never would have if you just waited until you had the perfect plan and you could see how A leads to B and B leads to C. So, you know, this is a bit of a paradox because I do teach entrepreneurs how to project their mind into the future to use decision analysis and careful planning. And yet on the flip side of that coin, I say, however, sometimes we can't see clearly what that direction looks like. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to start walking. And if you release the tension that you feel inside about, I have to, I have to succeed. And instead you say, you know what, it's okay to walk towards something you want by just saying, I'm already happy. I don't have to achieve the result to be, you know, to have this sense of happiness. Yeah. The result, that would just be icing on the cake and that frees you emotionally to just make mistakes and to start walking. And so for me, that was the difference is that I just started trying things. And of course, some of the things I tried didn't work. And some of the things I tried worked and I thought nobody else teaches this. So how Mm. does does that work? Uh, And I never would have discovered it if I didn't decide that I was okay with going after things that I couldn't necessarily control whether it turned out in my favor or not.
1: Yeah, I think it's finding that balance between what you can control and what you can't control. You know, it's saying, hey, here's a plan, but we don't have to follow it like verbatim. We don't have to follow it perfectly. Let's just be open to what's, what comes up along the way. It's actually how I like to approach my interviews. It's like, I could have these set questions or I can just see where the conversation goes. And really with the end goal, being able to share, you know, some wisdom and advice and stories uh, from these entrepreneurs. So I really like that you say that. And I think it does relieve people of that, you know, that stress of having to get to a certain destination or accomplish a certain thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, Todd, I really enjoyed our conversation today. I want to thank you so much for being here. Before we go, why don't you share with us one more piece of advice that you want to share with the small business owners and entrepreneurs that are listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur?
2: Okay. Thank you for that invitation. Um, I will recommend that those of you who are working towards achieving goals faster, try to use a method I call the lucrative elimination method. So what that means is that uh, you systematically try to remove things from your plate until you get down to just, you've boiled it down to just a core few things that really are the profit drivers for your Mm. business. And so that can mean several things. It can be projects that you're thinking about tackling that aren't directly related to the way that you deliver value as a company Um, or it could be things on your own personal plate you know that you do each day that if you think to yourself well wait a minute if i just stopped doing this what would be the consequence and there often is a consequence but if you pause to think about long term what would happen if you decluttered and you filled you filled up that time with the most meaningful powerful long-term objectives you could be working on it just dwarfs in comparison the things that you might lose over here Mm. relative to what you could gain if you really focused on your true gifts and the true value that your business is able to produce for people. So lucrative elimination method really just means schedule a time once per month or when you're starting out, maybe once per week, where you just schedule an hour and you say, is there anything that we could get rid of that we could clear out? Mm. Because if you get down to that, that core golden nugget and you amplify that, profits tend to expand in ways that are often surprising.
1: Yeah, it goes back to what we're talking about in the beginning about the act of ingredients and one of them being that less is more. So um, thank you so much for I feel like I pulled a lot of uh, information from you today, Todd. So I just want to thank you again so much for your time and for joining us here on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. My pleasure. Yes. And once again, to our listeners, this is Todd Snyder or Dr. Todd Snyder, productive coach at Shifting Tides, LLC. And you can learn more about him and his company at ToddSnyderCoaching.com. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. 7 days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now my name's Josh Ellidge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the thoughtful entrepreneur movement.